Amen. God is good, isn't he? Isn't God amazing? Isn't it incredible what God's doing in us? Who believes that God has something special for you? Who thinks God gave up on you? Because if you do, it's a lie. The devil's a liar. I'm not going to get into that today, but we've been speaking on that for weeks. Remember, he comes to try to get you in your flesh, tries to get you in self. He even tried to do it to Jesus. Even Jesus, tried to, he tried to get him into self. That was his strategy, even with the Son of God. He tried to use his emotions and his feelings, his natural hunger. He was hungry, so the devil tried to prey on that weakness, tried to make him king before his time. The Lord was going the Father in heaven was going to exalt Christ above all other names. And the Satan tried to get him into self, into flesh, and into desire, right? The Bible says, we look at it in James, that you're drawn away by your own desires. Try to get you into you. Get you feeling sorry for yourself. Who, who has been guilty of that at times before, That right? Devil comes, get you feeling sorry for yourself. Oh, woe is me. Oh, man. If I was only like so-and-so, my grass were as only as green as theirs. Life would be a lot easier if this had happened and that had happened and blah, 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 blah. Because that's all it is. You think the Lord's surprised by your situation today? The Lord is not surprised. The Lord knew you would be here before time began. I can't imagine that, but God is amazing, isn't he? He is sitting, the Bible says, above the circle of the earth, which is incredible. It says that heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. That's how big God is. And yet, he cares about every little tiny detail in your life. Isn't that amazing? To have a God so big and yet so loving towards us. I've said this before. God could be any God he wanted. He's God. He could be like some of the heathen gods of the world, right? That you ever see some of these gods of like the Buddhists, you know, they pretend like they're all uh, pleasant and, and nice, right? The Buddhists are all about happiness and peace, you know, just peace. Well, I did some work. Uh-oh. I did some work at the Buddhist monastery, did some gutters there years and years ago. And what they were doing is um, they had to get these buildings done because some of the monks were going to go in there for three and a half years and they can't come out. And nobody can actually go in there at all. These people are going to be totally separated from the world. So they had to do any work that was done on those buildings because if those gutters leaked in that three and a half years, it doesn't matter. They're going to have to leak for two and a half more years. If it's a year in, that's it. So they said, whatever you do, do not go inside our buildings. So naturally, I didn't go inside. I didn't go inside and didn't look at their very peaceful, humble loving gods that were plastered all over their entire temple. It's interesting because they didn't look peaceful and they didn't look loving. They looked like dragons and demons and monsters and creatures. That's funny. You can't, you don't see that stuff, do you? You don't really see what's behind the scenes. I got a glimpse at their peace of who they're really worshiping. And see, God could have been a God that was far off. God could have been a monster, but he's not, is he? He is a loving God. In fact, do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that, that if, it says, 
not only did Jesus give his life, right? We know that. That's the foundation to our whole faith. Jesus, literally the Son of God, his only Son, laid down his life. God sent him, and they brutally destroyed his body for, on our behalf. But the Bible says that if there was more that he could have done, he would have done it. There is nothing else he could do. He literally gave everything he had for us. And I'm just blown away. I'm blown away by how big he is and yet how loving he is. That's what David said. David said, because, you know, they had all these other gods and all these other demonic gods surrounding them and all these other things, and, and everybody's doing all these idol worship. You know, it's no different. Today, it's no different than it was for the last thousands of years. Our idols have just taken different form. Now they're glass, crystal, aluminum, steel. Same thing, isn't it? Things that people hold in their hands and won't let go, and it takes time from God. Wow. Starts, isn't that incredible? You're like, who would worship an idol? Meanwhile, they're like, who would spend eight hours a day, right? Who gets your screen time report on Sundays? Sundays, Apple releases screen time report. It'll tell you your average daily screen time. Don't think that there's not idol worship today. It's not just people worshiping devils out there in the world. And that's, that's I was telling you, that's real. That's out there. And David said, though, of our God, all that was going on then, it's going on now. He's like, man, you know, I'm just paraphrasing in our, in our 2021 language, but he's like, how can I be little tiny man and you be big God <laughs> and that you care about me? It's incredible, isn't it? God loves us so much, and he's had a plan and purpose from the beginning. See, the devil wants you to think that God's always playing catch-up. You ever feel like when you pray, it's like, God, get me out of this situation, as if God didn't know you were going to get into it in the beginning? Do you think God doesn't have a plan and a purpose through it? Does that mean that he puts you in it? Absolutely not. God didn't do it. You made those decisions. And I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying that God knew you would and already had grace there for you. Aren't you thankful you're not dead? Who should have been dead way too many times, right? Way too many wrong turns and bad mistakes, bad days, bad nights, and you are so incredibly grateful for his grace. I am. And I know many of your stories. I know that God has saved your life, literally saved your lives physically, right? God loves us, and he's had a plan from the beginning, and I want to talk to us today about this plan I actually heard something in my spirit, and I don't always hear like exact words or phrases in my spirit. I'm going through the word, you know, I preach the word systematically to us as a church. As your pastor, I want to cover the whole Bible. And it's a big book, and we have a little bit of time together, and so you get glimpses of it over the last six years, right? We barely even scratched the surface of the word. But sometimes I actually hear something very specific from the Lord in my spirit, and it is encouraging and it gives me a spark to bring something today. And I heard in my spirit, you can say it Abrahamic or Abrahamic, and it's Abrahamic covenant. It was so distinct, I had no other influences. I know the phrase, but I, I can't say that I've thought about it anytime recently. I wasn't listening to anything that said it. I didn't hear it on TV. I didn't hear it on the radio. I just was praying to the Lord and putting the sermon together, and I said, Lord, you know, this, my heart's yours. You have my, you know, you have my heart. This is your sermon. This is your people. And I just hear in my spirit, I bring a covenant right then and there. I mean, I just stopped in my tracks in my prayers and I knew right away I got a lot of work to do. 
because it's not the direction, Lord, that I thought I was going. I had my sermon ready. And so I began to dig deep. So I'm going to start to be, I'm just going to kind of crack it open. But I want you to look with me at the book of Genesis, chapter 12. What we're going to see here is Abraham really is the picture. We're going to look at this over the next weeks, but he is a picture just like us. Isn't it incredible? It's thousands of years ago, and I say this all the time. The Bible is just as relevant today as it was when it was written. People try to say that it's not relevant, that it's archaic, that we need to replace it with something more modern, and it's incredible to me, right? Once you have eyes to see and ears to hear how relevant the Bible really is. And Abraham is a picture of us. Say, Abraham is a picture of us. His name's not Abraham yet, though. His name's Abram, right? You know your word. I think everybody in here is schooled enough that you know that, that he used to be called Abram. But if you didn't know that, his name used to be Abram, and that's where our story starts here. Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, he says, leave your native country. Let's just re read this out loud. Is that okay? Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Who's heard this verse and read this verse probably a thousand times in your Christianity? Right? Who's heard many sermons on this? Right? This is a very famous chunk of scripture. Now, what we're about to see is the beginnings. Now, God begins to unravel this throughout the chapters. You, can, you find it in chapter 12. It's also in chapter 17. And ultimately, you can kind of see the full picture unfolding throughout Genesis with his son, Isaac, and then his son, Jacob, um, and ultimately all the way through Christ, which we're going to look at, just start to look at today. But something began to happen here. There was a man named Abram who was living in the world. Say he lived in the world. He was from a place called Ur. I want you to say this out loud because it's, it's hard to say and it's fun to say. And you'll maybe get into your mind. You'll remember what the Lord. Everybody goes, oh, how was the sermon? It was great or it was bad, whatever you say after. What was it about? I don't know. It was good or it was bad. So maybe some key words. Maybe you'll remember. So you ready? He was from a place called Ur. You spell that U-R, Ur. Joe knows how to say that. <laughs> right? That's it, Ur. Military, or, oh, by the way, I just wanted to, for our veterans, right, because this is our Sunday closest to 11-11, so I just wanted to just uh, say thank you for your service, for any of you guys. So that reminded me. So he was from Ur of Chaldees. Everybody say Ur, Ur. of Chaldees. Now, Ur of Chaldees um, is, was in the, the basically the, the Fertile Crescent, this is like the cradle of civilization. This is where everything began. And what was happening here was all kinds of weird, dark, demonic stuff. I mean, you can do your research. We're not going to get into that today. But, you know, every man was doing what was right in his own eyes. That's what the Bible says, right? Just like the world we live in today, we are literally coming back to what the Bible said in Genesis. When God sent the flood, you know what he said? He said, you know, I'm sorry. The Lord was actually grieved at man, was grieved at how much our hearts were bent towards evil. And the Bible says that every man did what was right in his own eyes. 
We've literally come to a time in history where you can be, and I've been talking about this a lot, but let's just be real. Let's, come on, let's, let's, be, let's bring this Bible into our reality. Let's not keep our Christianity somewhere on the side, and then we try to live in this society here, you know? Church and Christianity is on Sunday, then you just have to function through the week, and the devil's done a good job at separating the two so that you don't even realize that, wow, we are literally living in the Bible. But you have entered a time where you can be anybody you want, you can be anything you want, and uh, you can say pretty much anything you want as long as it doesn't offend someone else. Wow. Which is a joke because everything offends everybody. Because everybody thinks they're all right in their own mind. That's the point. You're allowed to be anything you want. Just don't let it mess with me being what I want. And so that's what was happening here. And they were idolaters. Everybody try to say that word. Idolaters. <laughs> idolaters. Some people say churs, some people say ters, but they were people that worshipped idols, as I've just been mentioning. And it was a, it was a nation, really, that was, um, that was godless, not just godless, but um, had no direction. They were just, you know, the thing is, what's funny is you, you take God away and what do you have left? You ever just stop and think about this? Like, if you take God out of your life, like, what is your life? If you are a Christian, a real Christian, and you've been a Christian for a while, you literally can't remove him from your life. He's not just a Sunday. Like, it doesn't matter what you're doing, what I'm doing, even things that seem like they don't have anything to do with God don't make sense without him anymore. Do you understand? It just doesn't even make sense. But this was a place that was so removed of God, so dark. And you have to go outside your Bibles. You have, to go, you have to go look at history and culture. You have to find out who these people were. But these people were really, really dark. We'll just leave it at that. Potentially, actually, this place was even sending explorers around the whole world way back then, like even way back. And, I mean, that's fine that people wanted to go and explore, but they were trying to build a kingdom. In fact, uh, you can do your research, but even the Tower of Babel is all intertwined with this, and it's just, it was, it was godless. It was a time of godlessness, a time where any god but God, right? It's really any god but the true God. Back to the Buddhist thing, if you watch HDTV, they don't mind showing a garden with a Buddha statue, right? That's cute. This is my little Zen garden. But you say, oh, I just love Jesus. Edit it out. It's not going to make it to the show. They'll look at your pretty house. But you say something about Jesus, they ain't making it to the show. But you show people your Zen garden, that's cute. Isn't it interesting that any God goes except our God? So that was what was actually happening. And what's strange is that when God came and spoke to Abram, I wonder what he was thinking. I wonder if he wondered who this guy is, who's speaking to me now. Which God are you? From the text, we know that he obviously believes him because he's about to do it. He's about to listen, and he does what God says. So somehow he knows that it is God. And, you know, maybe it's that thing inside of us, and I think it's in everybody in the world. The Bible really says that God is our Father. Everybody say he's our Father. 
Science has actually done some studies, and I've talked about this in the past years, I know at least once, but they, if you separate a baby from the mother that was in the womb, they say that the baby can recognize the mother's voice outside of the womb, that they know that that's their mother. And I think there's something instinctually in our DNA. You know, people say things like, you know, I didn't know God, but I always knew there was a God. You ever hear these type of statements? Or maybe those were your statements. You know, I wasn't a believer, that's for sure. But there was something in me that always prayed to whoever he was. I knew that I was talking to a person. Even in your blindness and in your, in your weirdness and in your sin, you knew. And it's the instinctual part inside you that knew that God is real. And so God's about to do something supernatural just like he did with us came and met us in a world system, in a world that says, you know, you just make up your own rules, and God came and found you. Aren't you incredibly grateful and thankful that he did that to you? Who feels like uh, you don't know why God found you? Sometimes you, <laughs> you feel like, I don't know why you picked me. I don't know why you called my, out my name. Who am I? And we should feel that way. If you feel entitled, then we, maybe I'll just leave that there, but maybe we need a little more repentance, a little more lowering of our pride. Well, God, of course you should have called me. You made me. It's your fault I am the way I am. Eh, nah, that's not going to work. Aren't we incredibly grateful? I'm just incredibly grateful. He could have just left us. He could have just said, you know what, humanity, I'm done with that thing I made. But it's not just a thing. I breathe my spirit into that clay, and I love them. And so God says, I'm going to make a way. God is patient, isn't he? God is on a patience game. It's a, we don't know exactly, but we're somewhere. If you, track, if you believe your Bible, and if you believe that, it's, that the timing of the Bible is, just the, is the same literal timing as of now, and it's not metaphorical, then we're roughly in the 6,000-year-ish time right now, on the end of 6,000 years, entering into the 7,000 year. Now, good thing we're not God, but we might say something like, if I were God, which is not a good thing to say, but we all think these type of things sometimes, I don't know that I would be as patient for 7,000 years. I think I may have judged the world a long time ago. I see Dawn smirking because Dawn's patience is about this big. I love you so much. But Dawn doesn't have patience. She's, that's okay. She's, she admitted. <laughs> patience is like this big. I start telling a story, and if I ask her to tell it like one more time, I'm always careful. I'm like, I don't even know if it's worth asking to tell the details again. I'm just going to assume that I got it right. God is so patient, 7,000 years dealing with us, bratty children. But he just loves us too much. He loves humanity too much. We murder, we cheat, we steal, trafficking children, and the Lord hasn't burned the earth down yet? Do you understand how dark that is? But God's got a plan. I want you to say this out loud because you need to hear it in your spirit. God has a plan. All the way back here, roughly somewhere around, I don't know, 4,000-ish years ago, somewhere right about there, God came 
and said, Abram, you don't know it yet, but in about 4,000 years from now, I'm about to wrap some things up, and I'm going to deal with some things in the heavens and in the earth, and you are a part of that story. You're just some guy out there in the world. And you know what Abram is? is he is a picture of grace. Everybody, I want you to say that word, grace. Because he did nothing to deserve this. There is literally nothing in our Bible that prompts God to pick Abram out of anybody in the world. It's just his grace that freely came and said, I've got an offer for you. Did you know that he came and gave us an offer? When he came and offered his grace to us through the blood of Christ, we had a decision to make. The Bible says in verse 2, he said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you or treat you with contempt, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Wow, imagine God said that to you. Guess what? He did. Before you get jealous that God said that to Abram, he said the same exact words to you. Now, in the next few minutes, hopefully I can make some of that sense. Otherwise, I'm going to get, as I said, I promise you to get more into this because the Lord's just cracking this thing open. I'm really excited. Jeannie's going to speak next week, and apparently we're going to be talking on that same theme without even talking to each other. I just said this morning to her, Abrahamic covenant, and we were just blown away because she's got some things to, to add to this next week. God made a covenant. He prompted a covenant with Abraham this day. As Christians, we have this theology called the New Covenant. Who's ever heard of the New Covenant? Anybody ever heard that? Do you know what that is? Do you know what that theology is? The theology of the New Covenant, without going through an entire huge study just for time, I'll just tell you quickly, is, is this. First of all, a covenant is what? A covenant is a bond between two or more parties that comes with a promise. All right? There is a bond. There is a union. There is an agreement on both sides. And then there is a promise from one or both sides of that covenant. Everybody get that? Jesus came and said, if you will believe in me, I will give you eternal life. Now, there's a, an incredible depth to that covenant, but that's the simplicity of it. Who believes that? Believe in me, and you will be saved. That's the simplest form of it. Obviously, a lot of people, a lot of football players today say they believe in God. Right? A lot of movie stars say they believe in God. A lot of people say, I believe. They're not quite doing the belief. If you look at the wording of what Jesus was saying when you believe, not just I believe in, because the Bible says even the demons believe and they tremble. All right, so we're not talking to that type of church. I know you're a mature church. It's not just, oh yeah, I believe in God. So that means I got a ticket to heaven. Believe means what? Believe means action. Everybody say believe means action. 
Now, you can go into your New Testament, and your New Testament actually commends Abraham in multiple occasions for what? For his, come on, he's the father of our faith. That's right. Abraham is the father of faith. He's the father of it. So before we even start talking about faith for this and faith for that and, you know, all these different theologies, modern, you know, New Testament, Christian believing faith, that's not just something that has happened, you know, in the 21st century where we have, you know, the faith movement. Abram, be- <laughs> wow, Abraham began the faith movement. 4,000 years ago, the faith movement began. And you know what it is? It's not weirdness. It's you ready for this? I believe you. It is truly that simple. God, I believe you. God said, I've got an offer for you. If you will leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and you will go to the land I will show you, then, everybody say then, I'm going to do some incredible things in your life. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to grow you. I'm going to do things you can't even understand. Now, when we talk about grace, we think of grace as what? A free gift. Grace is a free gift, right? Who believes that? Anybody want to add to it or take away from that? As I was putting this sermon together, what I got in my spirit, and I think it's funny to me, maybe you don't think it's funny, but ready for this? Grace is free, but it will cost you everything. (laughs) Try to figure that out. You can't try to figure out spiritual concepts with your human mind. Do you understand that by now as believers, right? Because your human mind says, that's an oxymoron. That's a double negative, Pastor. How can it be free but cost me? How can it be free but cost me? Don't be deceived. See, the devil wants to deceive this world, and that's why movie stars can say, I believe, and they have no reflection of Christ whatsoever because he has deceived them into just believing in the concept of Jesus instead of believing in the Jesus of the Bible. Who has seen that? Who's ever been there and had to be freed from the concept to the reality? See, you can believe in gravity, but when the door opens of the plane and they say, okay, it's time to jump, Hope you did your preparations to your parachute like we taught you down on the ground. At that point, my belief in gravity has become a reality. And there's some action to it. True belief and true faith requires everything. God said the same thing to Abraham because he's about to be that. So can we just call him Abraham, even though he's Abram right this minute? He's Abraham, because it's, you know, it's past tense for us. So let's just call him Abraham. It's easier than calling him Abram and then get to later he's Abraham. Okay with that? God said the same thing to Abraham as he did to you the moment that you got on your knees and you put your hands up at the altar and said, I surrender. And I want to just remind us of this today. The Lord has... I can't even put it into words. There is a covenant. The Bible says, the Bible says, let me just read this quickly first. The Bible says in Galatians, verse 7, chapter 3, Galatians 3, verse 7, the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. 
That's us. He goes on and he's talking about how it's not a Jewish thing. It's not just that there was those people, but that there is a child, his seed. Abraham was about to bring a seed, and hopefully we're going to talk about this in the future. His seed was not just Isaac and Jacob, but his seed was, was who? Who was the seed talking about? Paul talks about it later on in the New Testament. Jesus Christ is the seed of Abraham, and we are from that seed. Amen. He goes on and talks about that here in Galatians just quickly, talking about that it's Christ. And then he says, verse 15, Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case that God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. Notice that it doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants, rather to his child, that is Christ. Why then talks about the law, this kind of this time in between. We don't have time to get into that, but we could talk about that another time. And he says it's, it's because of Christ, verse 19, verse 26. For you are all children of God through, what? Through faith in Christ Jesus. And verse 29 says, and now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham, and you're ready? And you are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Wow. So now we can actually dial back, and we can go all the way back to Genesis, and we can read about Abraham with a lot more with a much closer eye that he wasn't just a character that paved the way and that his covenant was canceled for the new covenant. See, the new covenant of Christ didn't cancel, apparently, the covenant God made with Abraham. Apparently, the covenant that God made with Abraham carried through, and just like Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. In the same way, I didn't abolish the covenant I made with Abraham. That's where it began, and I'm a fulfillment, but its final fulfillment hasn't even been seen yet because it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that you're going to live in anyway. Amen. And here's what I want to say. He literally says, so now we know that this was not just to Abraham, but this was to us. You ready for this? I want you to say it out loud so that you believe yourself. God made a covenant with me. He promised he would bless me. He would be with me. He would give me an inheritance. And all I have to do is trust in him and believe in him. And that's the hardest thing I'll ever have to do. <laughs> all you have to do, it's very simple. You ready for this? All you have to do is just leave everything and everyone you've ever known behind. That's it. All you have to do is say, my earthly inheritance, my heritage, my name, my place, my notoriety, my comforts, all I have to do is give up four walls and a picket fence and just, it's not a big deal, just go live out in some field somewhere where everybody's trying to steal my water. Every time I dig a well, they fill it. I got to dig another one and just go to Egypt when the famine comes 
and then just be barren and say, okay, God, uh, I don't know what I'm doing here now, a little confused, and just then be asked to take my son and sacrifice him when the Lord asks, and, and oh, and I have to go take care of my, my nephew Lot and try to and rescue him, and then have him take the best land, and I get the leftovers. That's it. That's all. Grace is free, but it will cost you everything. And you ready for this, though? And it's worth it. Don't let the devil lie to you that it's not worth it. The devil's trying to deceive you because you're in the middle right now. You might be in a struggle. But you need to understand something. See, the devil wants you to get, get you focused on the here and now. Later on, we, just for sake of time, hopefully you're okay that I'm preaching the word without referencing it. Everybody hearing the scriptures anyway? Hearing them? I'm just doing it for time. Later on, just so that Abraham believes him, he takes him out and he says, I want you to look at the sky and I want you to look at the stars and go ahead, try and count them. Because if you can, then you would number the amount of descendants I'm going to bring through you. Go ahead and try to count the sand on the sea, the sand of the earth, because that's how many descendants I'm going to bring through you. Now, meanwhile, <laughs> come on, guys, I love it. I say the word you guys have heard me say before. In the meantime, I don't even have a son. And you're showing me the stars of the sky? Lord, oh, Lord, bless Ishmael. Yeah. Oh, Lord, bless Ishmael. Or my servant, you know, my servant, because it must be a metaphor. The Lord has so many incredible promises for us and so many blessings for us. It, it's not even fathomable in our human mind what God has prepared for us. We can't even wrap our minds around heaven. You realize that his blessings are not the earth, and I'm going to prove it to you. I'm not saying that it can't be on the earth. Who's been very blessed on this earth as a believer? And yet that's not the blessing. I want you to say that out loud so your mind hears your spirit. Ready? And that's not the blessing God's talking about. That's like residue. What we get on the earth is just, it's like Jeannie actually said one time, she was praying for someone, and she's like, Lord, I know I've got it stored up in heaven. Can I just borrow from that account for this person on the earth, right, for a big miracle? And then God did it pretty miraculously pretty quickly. Just a little piece. See, our inheritance is in heaven, and I can, I'm going to get into these things with some more time. But I want to read you something here. And it's in the book of Matthew. It's in the book of Matthew, and he says, if I can find it. Okay, I think that's, the, that's just Satan. But I know it anyway. I was going to read you for the first time, but I already know the verse. He said, some of you are saying you lost some things. He says to Peter, you've given up some things. You've lost some houses. You've lost some people. Who's ever, who's, who knows the verse? Right there in Matthew. Because Peter's like, Lord, what about us? We've given up everything. And he says, oh, 
He goes, you know, on this earth, you're going to lose some people and you're going to lose some things. You may even lose your house. You may lose your car. You may lose your technology. You may lose your money. You may lose everybody and everything you've ever known. Who as a believer has had to say goodbye to entire groups of friends, entire groups of people, even fortunes, and especially the criminals, right? You know, maybe it's not as relevant for us, but like when a gangster walks away from, he literally is saying goodbye to a lot of stuff. You know, maybe for you it's not as much stuff, but like relationships, you can't have them anymore. And pe these people can't be in your life anymore. It's not that you don't love them. You love them, right? But you are being pulled aside and getting called out, just like the Lord did with Abram. And sep he's separating you. He's pulling you out. And you know what the Bible says? Some people bring it into the earth because it says some, some versions, some, some books say in, now in this time as well, but that's really not what the point was. But that in heaven, he'll give you a thousand houses. You may lose your house here on earth. There's a thousand houses for you in heaven. In other words, get your eyes set on the promise. My grace is free. All I need you to do, Jesus said, just believe. Well, what does believe mean? Well, okay, Lord, I believe you. Well, how do I believe? The, does anybody know how to believe Jesus? Anybody know how? It's very simple. You ready? I'm going to teach you. This is children's church. Read your Bible, and the things he said to do, do it. I know if I'm believing him, you ready? I'm obedient means I believe him. Okay, you ready? Here's a, I'm dad. Don't go near the street. It's dangerous out there. Fast cars coming by. Here's the child. I believe you. Do you believe me? What is belief? Belief is action. Belief means you do what he said. Okay, so let's go to Jesus. Jesus said, hey, if they hated me, they'll hate you. If I believe in Jesus, then I got to believe the whole, I want you to say this out loud because I need your mind to hear it. I have to believe the whole gospel, not just the parts that are comfy and easy. It may cost you everything, but it's worth it because there is a promise. The Lord is calling us into a covenant. He has, you made an agreement. Maybe you didn't understand the, the seriousness of it at the altar, you know, back when you were 5, or 17, 25, or 50 getting saved. But you don't, <laughs> I'm laughing because... Who has ever said it or heard it, right? If God had told me back then what it would mean to be a Christian, I don't know if I'd made the same decision. I mean, it's a joke, right? But Because you've got to go through some stuff sometimes. The devil's trying to trick the Christian world into believing if you're going through stuff, either A, get rid of the Jesus thing because that's the problem, or B, you don't have enough faith when, in fact, your faith, because Abraham is the father of faith. I want you to say that out loud again. Let's get rid of the theologies of faith, and let's go to our Bible. Abraham is the father of faith, and he went through hell and back. But you know what he did? He had faith, which means, I'm just going to keep trusting you, God. I'm just going to keep trusting you, God, 
doesn't look like you're fulfilling your promise right now while I'm out here in the wilderness, but I'm going to keep trusting you. And there was a promise that he only got a glimpse of on this earth. All he was able to see was Isaac. That's it. The fullness of the promise of us sitting in this room here today, commending his faith and one of his children. We're literally, we're children of God, and we're also children of Abraham. Father Abraham, who remembers that song, Children's Church? Father Abraham had many sons, something like that. Yeah. Who's incredibly grateful for what God has done in our lives? The Lord's looking for a commitment out of us to stick it out, to stay with him, to hold on. He has not forgotten his promises. He's going to uphold, he will uphold his end of the bargain. All we need to do is just keep trusting him. We're just going to keep walking. Jesus said it, right? He who endures to the end will be saved. Does that negate the verse? Believe in the Lord and you'll be saved. You know, everybody wants to get into all these semantics and these big arguments about grace. And it's like, let's just look at the whole Bible as one picture. They both mean the same thing. If I believe, then I will endure. If I don't endure, it means I don't believe. Does that mean enduring's easy? No, I didn't say that. You hate it. You want to quit. You don't want this Christian thing anymore because it's hard. It's just easier to live like the world and be in the world and just do what I want. A lot easier to do that. Doesn't mean it's easy, but if you truly believe, then you will endure. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is there alongside you. Jesus will not, he cannot. It's impossible for God to break his side of the bargain. All we need to do is just keep believing him. That's it. I believe you. And you don't even have to have a ton of faith when you say it. You just say to him, I still believe you. I still believe. It's hanging on by a thread today, Lord, but I still believe. I know that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. I know you're going to work this situation out. I know you're going to pull through. And that's it. Amen. All right, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your word. I thank you, God, for the covenant that you made with us through the blood of Christ. That it started here right back in Genesis, Lord, and we are heirs we are heirs, Lord God, to that promise. There is a blessing, your word says, that is kept for us in heaven. It is beyond the reach of this world, your word says. You said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And I thank you, Lord Jesus. Our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on our heavenly homeland, the promised land that you brought us out. You took us. We've left this world we left the things of this earth. We've left the things we know and love, Lord, and we have decided to follow you into the unknown. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that out there in you, I thank you, Lord, is the pathway to eternity. And we're going to keep walking on it. We're going to stay in this covenant that we made. And we know today that you are going to keep your side of the covenant. In Jesus' name, amen.